Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and I'm joined, as always, with Justin and Michael. You can catch us online at sknr.net for all the best in pop culture, uh, movies, television, video games, hardware, uh, entertainment, conventions, and more. We have our uh, quarterly magazine, Skewed and Reviewed, the magazine. The new issue is out at Barnes & Noble and various retailers. You can go to Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed, and catch our uh, video game reviews. And, of course, catch me each week on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KSWFM, part of the BJ and Migs Morning Show. And we have the simulcast on our site, and we you can also get it on theirs at KSW.com. We syndicate, cover a lot of things, and each week we do our... Uh, Skewedcast here, where we uh, expand upon some of the bigger news stories of the week, uh, talk about some other things, and also uh, give you guys a broader perspective of what's going on. And before we get into the main topic, I just had a couple of things that I wanted to briefly mention before we get into the discussions. And the first of them is that the Call of Duty Black Ops beta is going on right now for PS4 owners. It was originally available just for those who had pre-ordered the game, and they had access from October 8th to 9th. Right now, from October 10th through 12th, so through tomorrow, anybody who has a PS4 can download and play the game. Now, next week, October 15th through 16th, Xbox and PC, uh, as well as some with PS4, early access. Uh, so if you, you know, pre-ordered the game, you get in October 17th through 19th, all platforms, everybody goes. You can try out the cross-play, try out the multi-play, and that's essentially what this is. It's a multi-play uh, test. You can go through some of the various maps and modes and check it out. So it's definitely something you're going to want to do that. Now, with all this bandwidth going back and forth, especially since it has cross-play, some people are going to download it and try it on multiple platforms. Like, for example, we could download it on the PCs. We could have it on uh, all the PCs in the house, have it on the consoles, have multiple people all playing in the same game at the same time. Obviously, that takes up bandwidth. And uh, one thing that is interesting is that uh, right in time for this, talk about a very fortuitous release, Ingenious uh, has released the ESR 580, and this is a smart mesh router. It comes in a two-pack uh, system, and so you get two routers, it works on Wi-Fi, and essentially what this does is it not only increases your signals, but it allows you to put them in various areas of the home and make sure you don't have any dead spots or areas that are weaker. Traditionally, we have a lot of the appliances upstairs, um, so we're closer to the router and stuff like that. But of course, if we wanted to go outside in the backyard by the pool, if you wanted to go uh, off the kitchen into the living room or various areas of the house, you wanted to put something in the guest room to include uh, better signals downstairs, these are the kind of things you're looking for. And so these are definitely uh, something you are going to want to uh, check out. Now, uh, gentlemen, this week we had uh, New York Comic Con happening it's still going on right now and of course since we can't have in-person gatherings they are uh they went virtual free for everyone unlike san diego comic-con who uh had well over 450 panels uh new york comic-con went with a smaller uh 
impact, more like 60 panels or so. Many of them were only about 25, 30 minutes long versus hour-long panels. There were some in the 45-minute range, but there were several, as I said, 25 to 30 minutes, just quick hitters in and out. And one of the things that they started off with, I think for me, uh, the stuff that I was really interested in all happened on the first day of the show, which was Thursday. And that was when they opened up with the Star Trek panels. They had a uh, little bit of a teaser for Star Trek Discovery Season 3, which begins next week. They had a discussion about the season finale of Star Trek Lower Decks. And, of course, at the end of it, they dropped that the new Nickelodeon animated show, Star Trek Prodigy, Kate Mulgrew will be returning to voice Janeway. Now, of course, uh, they kept referring to it as Captain Janeway. Everyone said Star Trek nemesis. She was Admiral Janeway. There you have it. We'll start with you, Justin. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, for definitely for Star Trek fans, I think it was a pretty decent uh, event, you know, showing off the new season for Discovery. I think it's going to be, you know, uh, that was pretty big. And then, uh, yeah, I think for fans of Voyager, I think this will definitely be a hook for them to watch this new show. Uh, I was trying to look into see what other information there is about it, and it seems to be pretty limited in terms of the information about this particular show that's coming out. It's another animated show. Uh, and I believe it's through Nickelodeon. Um, and uh, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's sort of centers on like a younger cast, um, which would sort of make sense. I, I don't I don't think it's going to be more of a serious um, follow up to Voyager or anything like that. But, you know, I think adding Jane Wade will definitely be a hook for some of the f- fans of Voyager. Um, they didn't really show anything off from the show as far as I can tell, but. You know, I do think that overall it was a pretty okay, pretty decent little event for for the Star Trek fans. Um, you know, obviously it just goes without saying that this is not indicative of like a normal Comic Con, but I think that given the venue and given what's going on, they did the best they could. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, the information was, um, you know, it's pretty exciting. And uh, Michael, your take, please. Yeah, so, I mean, Kate Mulgrew, well, one of the things that I think the Star Trek universe has been doing pretty good lately is that we like with Picard, you know, we get to see some of the favorite, you know, cast and characters from previous um, Star Treks uh, coming back and making appearances um, in shows of their own, like Picard, for example, or at least in, um, in a voice acting role. So I think this is good news for Star Trek fans. It kind of adds some continuity brings back some familiarity with the characters, that sort of thing. What I find oh. interesting... Oh, go ahead. And I was going to say, we also got to see something with uh, Star Trek Discovery in the in Season 3, um, the upcoming Season 3. And and it sounds like, and I, I to be fair, I haven't finished watching Season 2 yet, but it does sound like they're kind of ditching some of the initial constructs of, you know, how Discovery was kind of laid out and, and addressing some of the... Um, concerns that they'd had about technology being a little bit too advanced for when it, you know, when it arrived and, and it taking place, you know, prior to the original Star Trek. So it kind of looks like they're going in a little bit different direction and, and kind of addressing some of the, some of those issues that, that they had encountered. So I think, you know, it's good, interesting news, I think, from the Star Trek perspective uh, at NYCC this year. I think what surprised me about it was there had been a lot of talk that 
uh, Kate Mulgrew had um, made pretty clear that she did not want to be reprising her character. And uh, this came up when she it was brought up um, about, hey, you know, Patrick Stewart's coming back. Have you ever given any thought to it? And there were a lot of reports that she was extremely dismissive of this. And that's because if anybody follows her uh, career and her life, there was always a very, I guess, in some ways, love-hate relationship with Star Trek. She uh, appreciated what it did that it, you know, the financial security it brought, the um, career boost that it got. But she was also, um, through several years of the show, she was a single mother. And, you know, I remember some interview where she said, Star Trek to my children was that show that took their mother away from them. And you think about it and go, well, that's kind of interesting. And then you look at the logistics behind it in that, you know, they were working 16 hour days, uh, sometimes six, you know, five, six days a week on this show for seven years. And then you add to the fact that when she would get weekends off, she would go off and do conventions and stuff like that. So, you know, it's kind of, oh, this is my day off, but wow, look how much I can make going off, flying up here, just doing an hour on stage, doing an hour or two signing autographs, and then back I go. And so I understood the fact, you know, there was always this, well, your children are older now, but she's older as well. Would she want to do this? And I, and I could see why this was the perfect fit. And she kind of alluded to that when she came on and made the announcement in that this is an animated show all she has to do she said she likes the appeal of bringing the character back but the fact that you just have to go into a recording studio uh record some lines and then there you go that is quite a bit different from having to go through costume fittings hair and makeup having to be on set while they adjust the lights and do all this i mean you know, we always make these jokes about the voice actors for The Simpsons and stuff, and some of them. Um, I always kick back to Star Wars Rebels, and I remember at Star Wars Celebration, the entire cast said that what they would do is they said they had a uh, like an RV, and they would pick them up in Los Angeles, and they would drive up to the Bay Area to the Skywalker uh, area, and essentially that was it. They'd go up there once a week or so and they were, would record dialogue and that was it. And the, the ride up in the van and the ride back was their bonding time to work things out. But that was it. It was essentially one day. And, you know, Freddie Prince Jr. had even said that was one of the appeals. I'd kind of pulled away from all of this because, you know, we've got, I've got the wife, we've got the kids and the ability to basically do this, but only have to invest a day a week for, um, so many weeks a year was extremely appealing. And so I think that was essentially it. I think if they had said, we want you back for a live action show, I don't think you would have gotten maybe anything more than a guest appearance out of that. So moving forward, there were a lot of other things discussed at the uh, show. Uh, Resident Alien, Alan Tudyk, I'd seen the premiere episode and I've been waiting very patiently for when they were gonna get around to doing more, but uh, one thing that's coming to CBS All Access in um, December is we're finally getting the new miniseries based on Stephen King's popular book and uh, previous miniseries, 
of the stand. So, Michael, what do you think? Well, I, I'm actually really excited. I don't uh, currently, you know, do CBS All Access. I did for the uh, Picard when it was, you know, I got my free uh, month or so out of it. Uh, and then I, what I, you know, what I typically do is wait for the stuff to come out on video. But I think it's good for CBS All Access that they're still getting some, uh, you know, quality or what we hope is quality type shows that keep folks interested in the streaming service. Because uh, again, we've kind of talked about how all the streaming services pretty much need hooks to kind of keep people coming back and keep people interested and keep people subscribing. And that's what's key. Um, and the stand, I think, is one of those. It's, you know, we've seen it done before in miniseries. Um, it's it's obviously one of uh, Stephen King's uh, pretty relevant um, stories with, you know, everything going on in the world today with the pandemic and everything else. Um, so, yeah, it was good to see some some footage on that a bit and also kind of get some, you know, find out some of the some of the key details that they'll be bringing to the show. So, again, it's another thing that, you know, I, I wish I was subscribing just for that reason alone. Will it be enough for me to subscribe just to kind of watch the watch the show itself? Maybe once it's all been released. I don't know. But again, it's something that I think it generates some excitement and kind of keeps people um, interested in that streaming service as a whole. So, you know, good for them to continue to bring um, interesting you know properties and and things that will keep people subscribing. I think that's important for any of these streaming services to really uh, be successful. And Justin, your take, please. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think this is a, a great this is great news because uh, pretty much like what Michael said, I mean, the, the stand has uh, always been a pretty popular property from Stephen King, and I think there's been a lot of um, there's been a lot of clamoring and and uh, requesting for it. So. Uh, it's pretty exciting. It's happening, and especially with what's going on, it's it's fairly relevant uh, given the background of of the story. Uh, so I think this is good, but you know I I do agree. I I don't know if this alone will be enough for me to pay for a new a subscription service, but I I definitely would, uh, you know be I would consider it depending on you know what else comes with the subscription service. Um, and I, I am, you know, interested in actually watching a new miniseries uh, based on the stand. It is one of his more popular properties, and uh, you know, I, th I think they could do really good with it. It will be interesting to see what the reception to a pandemic um, movie is in this day and age. Uh, you know, Stephen King wrote this book, I believe, in 1978, and then. Several years later, I remember when I was in uh, prep school, they released a new version of the book that had 400 additional pages because, you know, he had edit. It was already a very large book to begin with, and he edited it down. And I remember there was the TV series. There was that time for a while where they did it and Tommy Knockers and uh, um, Langoliers was another one. Langoliers was one. They did uh, The Shining. Uh, was it at the regulators? I think it was. They either way, they did several of his books as TV series on uh, ABC miniseries and stuff like that, which was at the time it was a mixed blessing because one of the reasons his films had not done as well cinematically Stop, was does. that they're very large books that they were trying to condense into an hour and forty-five minutes. So a lot of stuff had to be cut now the miniseries allowed them to have this um time the problem is then you had to edit the content down to make it appropriate for television so that meant the sex the blood the guts and some of the horror had to be drastically taken down and so 
the streaming platforms have given him this opportunity to basically say, um, you know, do what you want to do. You, you know, you're not going to be restricted to any standards and such. So it will be interesting to see how they approach this. We've already seen that the casting is different than uh, before. There have been um, a lot of talk about, like, for example, Whoopi Goldberg talked about her character that in the book is an older woman who remembers a time when there wasn't all of this technology. And that is harder to do in 2020 than it was in 1978. So, you know, that sort of thing has to be updated. There are various references and things that have changed along, but essentially the core of it is the same. There is a pandemic that wipes out 99% of the population. There are survivors and one group is drawn toward this figure who essentially represents good and another group is drawn toward this figure that represents evil and essentially you know you have the division between good and evil and the fight for what's left of the world and it's a very interesting story i'm very interested to see how they do that and another thing that just came to mind was that if you look at some of these films that are in the works, uh, Snowpiercer, well, TV series, uh, I should say, uh, Snowpiercer season two, they it's coming out in January of next year on TNT. They dropped an expanded trailer at New York Comic Con. Uh, you know, the first season was very good. I enjoyed the movie. Now, it's not a virus; it's climate change. But this is also a show about essentially the end of civilization. And I'm curious if this is kind of the way we're going to go in that I know these were all things that were in the works before everything happened, but are we in a phase now where we're getting a lot of stuff about uh, apocalyptic scenarios? And are we going to see more and more of these? Or are we going to see things flip the switch and go more toward... Um, comedies and dramas and more distraction. So uh, very, very interesting uh, things. Uh, so gentlemen, is there anything else that you wanted to make sure that we mention? As I said, there's still some things going on at New York Comic Con this weekend. Um, anything else you guys wanted to mention about that before I get on to the last topic for the day? No, I mean, the only thing I like to say, though, is, I mean, again, we kind of discussed this previously, but it's good that we're, they're still trying these different formats and different things because we don't really know when the next big in-person comic events are going to be. So I think this is a good way for them to kind of feel out, you know, how things work, get an idea for how um, to bring interesting content and how, ways to display it. And I think it's a good opportunity to really see how these things can can still be successful and we can still get pretty interesting news even though we're not getting the in-person experience. Yeah. So this week we had news that, uh, like, unfortunately, Stumptown before it, a show that had been renewed and then was canceled due to uh, complications getting it back into production, there was um, reports that were confirmed that despite already having started filming new episodes before the shutdown for the fourth and final season of GLOW that um, 
Netflix has pulled the plug on the series and announced that they are not going to do the final season. Uh, main reason is they don't want to pay the storage fees to keep the sets around until they can get around to film it. Uh, this came out last week. It's created a fairly decent outcry. Uh, there's been a lot of people on social media saying, look, we don't care if we have to wait till 2022. We want to see what happens. There's been push for let's do a movie. Let's wrap it up that way. And I mention that because it kind of circles around an interesting thing. Jurassic World Dominion had resumed production. It had started production before the outbreak. It uh, shut down naturally and then resumed production. We've had word that it's had to shut down again due to uh, more outbreaks. Uh, so essentially no Jurassic uh, World in 2021. It's been moved to 2022. We've seen a lot of movies that were planned. We talked about it last week with uh, Cineworld and everything. Theaters having a lot of problems because a lot of planned movies have been pushed back to next year. Movies that were due out next year are now being pushed to 2022. But through all of this, Netflix did step up and announce that Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous is indeed going to have a second season. Uh, Justin, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think this is pretty surprising. Uh, and also good news for um, for Jurassic Park fans. So, you know, I... I like what you mentioned, though, like it's it's kind of hard to say what's going to happen. Um, anything can really change just because of how chaotic things are are right now. Um, you know, a lot of these productions are being heavily impacted by the pandemic, and that's obviously going to be impacting the financials of all these different streaming services and platforms and production companies and things like that. So things could really shift. Um, pretty quickly i mean we saw uh this last week uh like you said a bunch of movies and a bunch of tv shows shift around uh their um their release dates because of what's going on uh in some cases pretty dramatically so uh we'll have to kind of wait and see how this all plays out but um you know it's it's good to at least look forward to something um and it does show that they have some confidence in in this particular show and Michael, your take, please. Yeah, and I, I'm starting to wonder if we're going to see more of this type of thing because we've kind of seen um, a, a shift to more animated, voice-acted shows. Um, not to say that that's necessarily new because, I mean, those have been fairly popular for a long time. But one of the things that does, and we kind of talked about this with um, the new Star Trek animated show, is one of the things that makes animated shows a bit easier to do now is that a lot of folks, particularly with technology now, can set up their own recording studios in their homes. Um, they can even convert a bedroom or convert a, you know, you know, their office or whatever and still do voice acting um, for these shows, which makes, you know, filming, makes, you know, production, makes content for this stuff so much easier. I mean, particularly now where we see, you know, we've seen this with CW shows where they, they think things are okay, they start a production again, and then boom, the pandemic uh, peaks up again. And they have to, you know, stop filming. Uh, people have to go home, and they have to try to get everybody back together to to, to pick it up again. You know, we've talked about um, we're talking about Glow and how they have to still, you know, pay for storage of these sets. They, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff, you know, getting folks who are able to get together, all the resources that they need to make sure everybody's safe. Um, you know, outside of being in a bubble, which you know they, we've kind of seen the NBA do it and other things, it's really difficult to 
to be able to plan around the, the filming schedules to get people together to film in person. Um, so it does, I think, open up a lot of opportunities, you know, for Jurassic Park being one of those, where maybe a show that they, you know, they were playing around with, they wanted to see how successful it was in the first season. And then all of a sudden they realized, hey, you know, not only are people liking this, but it's something from a uh, logistic standpoint is easy for us to do. Um, we can get voice actors, we can get writers, we can get the animators, and a lot of this stuff can be done remotely. doesn't require um, getting a bunch of people, cast and crew together to film a series, um, and it can still be successful and popular and, and drive enough interest to bring um, folks you know, to, to watch it. So I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing, you know, more of this. We we kind of talked about also how, like on The Mandalorian, they used um, a lot of green screen type effects to really um, give the appearance of being at, on location someplace without actually physically being there. I think we're going to start seeing a lot more technological type stuff to to bring folks together to film things that allows them to be safer. To be able to, you know, bring everybody together in a in a logistical fashion that isn't overly expensive, but allows them to do what they want to do. So I expect that we're going to see a lot more of this, uh, a lot more animated stuff for the time being, a lot more thinking outside the box on how do we how do we film these these you know these shows and how do we bring about all all these different. Um, genres together to make for an interesting show but also allows us to do it in a financially and a timely fashion so it's exciting to see the kinds of stuff that we have going on and i think again we'll we'll kind of see more of this probably over the next year or so as everybody kind of adopts to this how do we or adapts to how do we start really you know getting out you know quality entertainment when the theaters are still kind of in limbo when the when the various movie studio on-site locations are still in limbo and still produce new and interesting you know stuff to bring to the you know content that we can bring to the various platforms to keep people interested and to keep driving revenue which a lot of these places need to stay in business yeah and it's interesting too i was just uh, gonna close with a some news recaps here you're seeing uh, what i think is some creativity uh, and studios are taking some risks. Like, for example, HBO Max, um, they are going to go ahead with a Greg Berlanti-produced Green Lantern uh, series that is going to follow uh, multiple decades and multiple lanterns. But, of course, uh, you're not going to see Hal Jordan. You're going to see other lanterns and stuff like that. So I'm guessing that leaves the door open for Hal to show up in some other formats. We had Disney announce that Soul, which had been... Uh, widely speculated as to when it was going to arrive that they are going to bypass theaters and they're going to put it out on Disney Plus on Christmas Day and unlike Milan it will not be a premium feature now of course the problem with this is you get the people that come out and say well if you can do this why can't you do it for Black Widow why can't you do it for that and as we've discussed multiple times it has to do with budget it's a lot easier for them to put an animated film out on a streaming platform and not lose money to the point that they would with a live action Marvel film. And, you know, we've heard stories about um, Jamie Foxx is going to appear in the new Spider-Man film, but he's not going to be playing the blue version of um, Electro. We've heard that um, Doctor Strange is going to appear in this one as well as his pending film. So a lot of interesting stuff there. 
But one of the more interesting things to finish off the show on a Disney theme was we've been talking about the Obi-Wan uh, limited series and how it's going to be coming soon. And we've also discussed in the past the Jungle Cruise with Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and how it got pushed back uh, almost a year and then the pandemic hit and it got pushed back again. Well, the uh, next ride-based attraction is coming. Now, the last one that I can remember was Tomorrowland, which is, I know, a land versus an actual attraction. And then we have the Jungle Cruise coming, and there have been talks about uh, doing a new Haunted Mansion, that sort of thing. And um, obviously the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise is still a possibility. Well, apparently uh, there is talk that they're, they've hired, well, it's not talk, they've actually hired someone to write a film based on Space Mountain. And this has got people really curious about what they might do because as they said, the actual attraction does not have sets or any kind of story narrative. So it kind of gives them a carte blanche uh, thing to do. So it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. Well, that is going to do it for us this week, folks. Hopefully you have a very safe week and a very good week ahead. For those of you who are off tomorrow, enjoy the holiday. And until next week, take care, and we'll talk to you then.